This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Java Chapman, filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning with our usual suspects, Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And today we're going to be talking about the possum, which is a mystery to many people, only seen at night in rural areas or maybe by the side of the road. Um, So we're going to dive into these creatures with our friend of the program, Dr. Kathy Schroeder. Shire, wildlife biologist and former executive director of Mississippi Wildlife Federation. Uh, it's going to talk about these furry actors, which I have recently learned is when they play dead, it's an involuntary response. They don't just say, hey, it's time to do something. They have no choice. <laughs> Panic attack, right? Yeah. <laughs> we should know that. And if you want to join today's conversation, um, talking about possums, your recent brush with nature, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, phone lines are open, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Also, I want to remind you that Creature Comforts repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, guys. How's everybody doing today? Good morning. Good, good morning. Does everybody wash their hands? Yes. A lot. I've got the wipes in front of us, so we're good. Yeah, we've got wipes and Lysol in the room, I noticed. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about... Uh, as, a, as a veterinarian, I have to wash my hands many, 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 many times during the day. So it's just, <laughs> just a continuation. We're going to talk a, a little bit, a little tongue-in-cheek about the coronavirus, because something came across uh, the... Um, uh, Creature Conference desk about pets and uh, and the coronavirus. So we will talk about that real quick. But uh, Libby, do we have any events coming up? We do. Fossil Road Show is coming up. We've talked about it a little bit here mm-hmm. when George uh, Phillips was with us. March the 7th, so it's this Saturday from 10 to 4. It's time to dig out all those weird fossils and rocks you found, or if you haven't found any yet and you want to learn out, learn about how to do it, you don't have to bring fossils to the Fossil Roadshow, but it is a great chance to, and it's kind of like Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. There are different tables that will work with different kinds of items, and instead of telling you a money value for your item, they'll tell you how old it is, which is kind of neat, and what it is. So it's a lot of fun, and um, I like to go. I don't usually bring a fossil. I go and look at what everybody else is bringing in as I tell George, I like to follow whoever's coming in with the little red wagon full of rocks. <laughs> no, there's going to be something fun. So remember that this coming Saturday. And then. What time um, does it start? It starts, um, the museum opens at 9, and I okay. think they really get going at 10 o'clock identifying fossils and working. It's, it's usually a good crowd, but not too much. He does a good job of bringing experts from all over the southeast that can identify different kinds of fossils and, and talk to the public about them. And so. this weekend is looking like a great weekend. So, And it is very kid-friendly. You know, they, they know how to talk to a 7-year-old and explain what they've got or a 70-year-old. So it's lots of fun. And then Adam Ronke's got another Master Naturalist class. We've talked about that before. This one's going to start um, Tuesday, March the 24th, but you need to go ahead and sign up. You know, it's several weeks, and um, it's a, a great class. There are um, a few field trips involved and some classroom uh, evenings as well, and it, it's going to meet on Tuesday evenings. And if you'll 
you can call the Mississippi State Extension Service and ask for Adam Ronke, and or you can just uh, if you go online to Mississippi State Extension Service Master Naturalist, you can you can find it there and sign up. And then uh, the Mississippi Coast Audubon has got field trips. Uh, always, every every pretty much every weekend, something wonderful they're doing. So uh, again, go online and look at those, and they really like for you to go ahead and connect and let them know you're coming, so they're sure they've got room and transportation for you. But they have the uh, supplies out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a good time to get outdoors if you can catch it between rainstorms. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the rain is just. Uh, uh, I mean, it's March, so it's spring. It's yeah. the rain is here. It's coming. But um, we have had some glorious days recently. <laughs> those those nice yeah, sunny days. I know it's a little too early for spring, but um, but everything's blooming and leafing out over the last couple of days. It's, it's just happening, turning yeah. green. Yeah, we talked about that on uh, the Stalk Gardener. Everybody was calling in because everything was happening too soon. <laughs> yeah, we're all afraid of a free. All us gardeners are thinking, mm, it's tempting to start planning, but there's bound to be one more freeze. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, thank you for those events. And um, if you um, uh, ever want to see what's happening in your neighborhood, you can always uh, visit mpbonline.org slash events. A lot of those events are on our events calendar uh, right now. Now, uh, like I said, last week, Dr. Troy Major, we had an all-pet program but we neglected to bring up the topic of discussion, um, the coronavirus and our furry friends. So um, what what do we say with the coronavirus in relation to our pets? Very good. Good question. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about that. Uh, The coronavirus, what do they say? COVID-19 or is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is is not transmissible as far as we know to our dogs and cats. Uh, there have been some tests done, uh, and really there was a dog in Hong Kong that uh, they said tested positive, but they've since shown that it really, really is not the same. Uh, dogs and cats and swine and just about every mammal that you can think of have their own coronavirus. If we look back, uh, SARS, MERS, uh, swine flu, obviously. Those, you know, you have coronaviruses that are pretty, I, I say, ubiquitous in in the world. And uh, we have coronaviruses. I, we were looking at the can of Lysol, and it says, you know, it kills uh, coronavirus. Well, I think with the human coronavirus, uh, using good common sense, uh, avoiding uh, packed crowds and rooms, uh, avoiding cruise ships uh, and doing having good sanitation, hand washing. Be careful of what you touch. But in in dogs, uh, the coronavirus is more enteric. In other words, causing diarrhea. Uh, same thing is true with cats. Uh, cats have a unique coronavirus that can actually mutate and cause a disease called feline infectious peritonitis, which is uh, a pretty complicated disease and it's very rare. But it can happen. But those are the things that uh, no, your dog will not be a carrier of uh, the human uh, COVID-19 coronavirus and has its own specific uh, coronavirus. So short answer is no, your pet cannot give you corona uh, virus. That's correct. Even though on online they have all these 
I guess you can call them cute pictures of the dogs with the mask on. <laughs> yes, I think the dogs are pretty upset about that. Uh, I saw one or two, and they they were pretty restrictive. I, I imagine it, it actually fit much like a muzzle, uh, which most dogs are not excited about wearing one of those. Yeah, so neither would neither, neither would we be. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And um in in uh so coronavirus in pets it's it's not happening. So whatever right. you read, you know, it's it's um right. let's, and, let's move and, on. <laughs> and I know most most of the listeners have seen all the suppositions about how this particular uh virus either mutated or was produced and uh there's a lot of conjecture about the origin of that. It's strangely enough in my reading I've seen that there may be some correlation or connection on all of these diseases, MERS, SARS, even Ebola, with uh, bats uh, as being an issue, uh, consumption of uh, what you would call bush meat uh, in certain areas uh, and at the meat markets that they have in China. Uh, possibly that's how the spread started. They don't, they don't really, if they know, they're really not admitting how it started. Yeah, with those wet markets. Right. Uh huh. All right. Well, like I said, um, uh, we are moving on with uh, Dr. Kathy Shropshire here today. Uh, it's going to be talking about possums um, around the state. Um, but Dr. Major, have had do has anybody ever brought in a pet possum to, absolutely. to the clinic? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I can remember. I think her name was Petunia. Uh, she had the nicest little pink dress that she wore occasionally. But this was a this was a pet. I mean, she was really a sweet possum, and uh, the lady uh, certainly loved her and took excellent care of her. Uh, now, she... I think that Kathy probably would agree that we don't really need to keep <laughs> possums as pets, but that happens. A lot of times people will raise one as a uh, baby that's been abandoned, and uh, we had one that uh, we did raise and then had someone rehabilitated, and the possum is hopefully still alive out in the woods. She sees it occasionally. Kathy, what's your opinion on possum as pets? <laughs> um, not, not just possums, but any wild animal. Yeah. I just personally right. don't think that's the, the most appropriate thing for the, for the animal, but you know, that's this, kind of more of a personal opinion than anything else. Well, and it's it's, it's, it's being it's, able to take care of them because we don't really know everything we need to know about every animal in terms of what they need to survive and be That's healthy. a good point. And one of the things as a vet that we have to deal with are abandoned baby animals, whether it's squirrels, uh, which are very common certain times of the year. I think we have two onslaughts of squirrel babies uh, and storms knock them out of the tree, et cetera. And what do you do with those? And it's people do want a lot of, in a lot of cases to actually nurture them and try to get them where they could release them. Uh, I agree with you though, that in, in, mo- in most circumstances, it's better not to have a wild pet, a wild animal as a pet. Now, I guess I'll throw this out to our listeners. If you've um, had a possum as a pet <laughs> and you don't mind sharing, give us a call this morning, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, Dr. Kathy Shropshire, we welcome you back to the program again. Um, 
We thank, thank you. you for being here. It's been maybe a, a little while. Yeah, it's been uh, probably a year. Yeah, probably a yeah. year since I've been here, but it's always fun to come back. Yeah, so we're going to talk with you after this break. Um, like I said, we have Dr. Kathy Shropshire here. Uh, she's going to talk about North America's only native marsupial, the possum. Did you know that? Also, uh, Dr. Troy Major is here for your pet questions, and Dr. Libby Hart. Hartfield is here ready to talk with you this morning so make sure you do stay tuned creature comforts will be back after the break if you have a question or comment one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or as always you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org we're going to be talking possums when we come back <music> Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major and Dr. Libby Hartfield. And our guest for the hour, no stranger of the show, Kathy Shropshire, wildlife biologist and former executive director of Mississippi Wildlife Federation. Now, um, Kathy, when is the last time you portrayed um, our lovely Fanny Cook? <laughs> that was in September. Libby and I were on the coast for three different presentations. Since, I, But I get to do her. Miss Cook is coming back okay. <laughs> next week. She'll be at uh, Galloway Methodist Church at their um, noon presentation. So okay. please come out and visit with her. Yeah, that's always a, 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 a great. interesting character. Yes, she is. And important. Is. Uh, now, a little earlier, like I just said, um, the possum is the only... Um, marsupial, do I have that correct? Right. Native to North America, right? What uh, for someone who may not know, what is a marsupial? It's uh, a, an, a mammal, they are, it's a mammal, just like a dog or a cat or whatever else. But um, their young are um, born very, very premature. She has a, the female has a pouch that the uh, young crawl up into and attach to their teeth and. And that's where they do full development because they're only 10 or 12 days old when they are born and crawl up into that pouch. And that's where they develop for the next couple of months. Because I said that um, possums, they don't make a lot of people's favorite animal lists, but right. but they but they do have those cute pictures. If I well, those, they are well, adorable with the, with the babies hanging on <laughs> right. the mamas, maybe like six or seven of them, and they're just all hanging well, you know, on. Mama. Too often we say, "Oh, it's just a possum." Well, you know, they're kind of <laughs> interesting animals, so they're not just a. Just a possum. Yeah. Well, how many how many um, a young can a, can a possum have at one time? Well, I, I, I was looking uh, because they can raise thirteen. That's how many teeth she oh, has. Wow. So that's how many she's gonna <laughs> you know potentially she could uh, raise, but she could have as many as fifty. So you know the the success rate on that is not not too good if you're one of those yeah. fifty because okay. once you attach, then they're not, they apparently do not want to reattach. So, so she's really prepared to raise. She's thirteen. Yeah, she's prepared to raise thirteen. So you know, and you know, they got a they got a rough life. They're pretty small when they they're born. So it takes lots of babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, I guess 
we can continue with this. How what's the uh, average lifespan of in the wild? Uh, a year, you know, a year maybe two years in captivity, maybe four. Yeah, where they've got where they're a little more protected because they're they've got a lot <laughs> they've got to compete with out there, especially cars. Yeah. Well, they grow fast <laughs> because some of those those possums you see on the side of the road are huge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We provide a lot of food for them out there on the road with everything else. They're eating all the armadillos and the whatever else gets gets hit on the road. So we're providing some food out there on the road for them. All right. Well, we have a couple phone calls um, this morning. Let's go ahead and. Um, Get jump jump right to it. Let's talk with um, Janice from Jackson. Good morning, Janice. Hey, <clears throat> good morning. Uh, what's your what's your question or comment? Well, I have a couple of possum stories. When I was a small child, we had an empty rabbit hutch, and somehow a possum came around, and my dad put it in there, and we had fun watching it for a while. And my father or mother said that the possum let itself out, but I think maybe my parents let it out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then my first year of teaching in North Georgia, I was on playground duty, and uh, the kids came running up to me and said, there was a possum in the trash, big trash can, and it had sold up. That's what they Mm -hmm. they said. And uh, so I, in my stupidity, went and picked it up by its tail, and um, took it to a tree and hung it over a limb, and I told all the kids to leave it alone. And that's my second possum story. Thanks for listening. Oh, well, Janice, we appreciate you uh, calling in this morning. That's amazing. Um, Why are most possums found in the trash? (laughs) They're eating. That's where the food is. That's that's wild. Let's continue with the phones, and let's go with uh, John in Macomb. Good morning, John. Well, good morning now, y'all. How you you doing this morning? Y'all talking about possums. I grew up in the Appalachians in, in um, East Tennessee on the Indian Reservation, and that was a delicate back in the 40s because we didn't have no food to eat. Right. So they caught possums, and but I, I wouldn't eat them, though. I wouldn't eat a possum. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they eat too much different kind of stuff. But that just, you know, well, it's that, a y'all seat. talked about it in Mississippi, but the shit is... Oh that yeah, was, that, was, that was food because we didn't have no meat or nothing. Yeah, they always said that, uh, I can remember... People talking about eating possum and they fed them, would put them up in a in a coop or something yeah. like that, and feed them yeah. sweet potatoes for yeah. Yeah. a month or so, and they felt like that was a a way to kind of yeah. Yeah. eliminate any gamey uh, or bad yeah, they, taste. They might be good, but uh, I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just wouldn't 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 I wouldn't tackle one, you know. But it's different kind of possum. It's a ring. It's different kind of possum in East Tennessee. It is in Mississippi. But we had to eat something because we were bunch of us on that mountain, all of us. And <laughs> we we had to eat something. Dolly's grandmother, she was she'd pick up roadkill or whatever wood. That's what we had to eat. I understand? So, it's yeah. all relative. <laughs> so that that that's the story uh, of the possum. That you know, hey. But they they say they love them down here, so I don't know. But I don't want one. <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, uh, calling in this morning, John. And uh, from what I've saw, I've, I myself have never eaten possum, but what I saw, it, it has a, a a porky type of taste. It's kind of oily. That's what I it says. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> let's continue with the phones and let's go to uh, Bill in Greenwood. Good morning, Bill. Well, yeah, I've got a question about something. Uh, first, let me say I had a possum for a long time named George. After George Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George. 
Well done. <laughs> Good guy. Little Joey. Okay, uh, I saw on TV on the YouTube uh, this a guy that's uh, uh, animal place in Arkansas, I believe. He had a cootamonga and a, uh, a Labrador retriever grew up together and they're best buddies play and sleep together and uh, this cute among is really cute. He looks a little bit like a dog but I always thought that they were ferocious things and they lived in Mexico but I can't seem to find on my phone where they come from. Uh, maybe right. in Mississippi? Uh... What is it? Is he saying Kudamunga? Kudamunga. Okay. Kudamunga is called. What type of animal? I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. What type of animal is that? I think they're related to the raccoon, closer to right. related to the raccoon. Yeah. Some people call them a ringtail. Right. They're, right. Through, they're throughout mm-hmm. Central and mm-hmm. South America. I don't know that there's, there may be some in the desert area. Uh, I think of, maybe, yeah. But they, they live primarily off of uh, insects, grubs, and Fruit. things, things that they can find mm-hmm. on the ground. Right. Okay. Well, we appreciate you calling in uh, today, Bill. I guess he was saying with the them being different that they were all hooked up together. Right. Well, you know, species can can get along together if they need to. Yeah. <laughs> People can take something from different. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, in individuals, individual animals act differently. You know, some, well, some dogs are aggressive and some are not. You know, it's just, it's. Right. And one thing um, uh, I believe it was John uh, said about uh, possums and diseases. They, I think, sometimes they get lumped in uh, maybe groups with like raccoons or something, and um, being like carriers or rabies and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But this, that's not, that's be, not true. Mm, no, it doesn't seem to be true for possums. They're, I think it has to do with they think it has to do with their body temperature more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to when it comes to possums, they're not naturally aggressive. Well, I mean, if they're being attacked, okay, <laughs> they're yeah. going to be aggressive. <laughs> if they're going to go out of their way and run something down, probably not. They're they're pretty slow moving, so they're not going to be, uh, you know, aggressive in that term. But if you know if they're confronted with something, they can be aggressive, or they, as we were talking about earlier, they could go. They could faint. <laughs> and we we, we <laughs> see a fair mm-hmm. number of. Uh, coexistence between dogs, cats, and possums where people leave food out, which mm-hmm. we don't really recommend, but uh, the possum and the cat or dog will be mm-hmm. sitting there eating out of the same bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, of course, when you see a possum's teeth, you you have to take a second <coughs> step back because they've got some beautiful teeth. Yeah, they have <laughs> a whole mouthful of them. And, yeah. uh, Very sharp. Very right, sharp. Right. And I think people, like I said, what they may equate the rabies with like the hissing and yeah. the kind of... kind of uh, Drooling. Yeah, drooling of the mouth. Yeah, right. When, uh, when yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the but thing again, that they know. Again, that's a defensive <laughs> mechanism, that hissing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've seen both with them feeding. I, that's why I would say we don't recommend you feed mm-hmm. possums in the yard. And if you're feeding your dogs and cats outside, you maybe need to feed feed them inside for a while until the possums leave. But I've seen them get along and eat in the same dish, but I've also seen them fight. Right. I've seen a, a cat injured by a oh, possum. I can see, when they, yeah, I can see that. Know. The cat thinks, oh, look. 
competing for food. This is a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's continue with the phones. Um, And if you want to join our conversation, we have some open phone lines. 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Let's go to uh, Larry in Woodville. Good morning, Larry. How you doing, sir? Love y'all show. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much for listening. What's your question to come in? Uh, y'all talking about eating possum. I grew up eating possum. <laughs> I thought we would get a couple of these calls. <laughs> yeah, Was it good? Uh, Did you people, enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, you know, and uh, it's just different ways that you can prepare it, just like a lot of other foods and stuff. And uh, my dad, he loved uh, preparing coon, and uh, I've even eaten armadillo on occasion and uh, barbecued that, you know. And uh, other wild animals, squirrels and stuff like that. Grew up eating wild game. And uh, my people are Native American. And, uh, you know, uh, that's just the way our life was. When I was a kid back in the 50s, my family, my relatives, my uncles all would put uh, coons and uh, possums in cages and keep them there for so many days and clean them out. And they would eat them. And uh, back in the days, we used to sing our creeks and get all kind of uh, fish and stuff like that, and eat when I was a kid. Yeah, glad you, gl- you're glad they were there for you, weren't you? <laughs> Pardon? You were glad they were there out there that you had something yeah, to eat. Yeah, we didn't know we didn't know the difference. You know, it was just something to eat for us. We didn't question what the people cooked for us. You know, but my dad always had a joke about eating a coon. He said, "Put a coon on a good one-inch thick." Oak board well seasoned, put it in the oven until the meat started falling off, take it out, rake it in the trash can, and eat the board. I'm going to leave y'all with that. All, All right. right. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. <laughs> nah, that was, I'm a, I'm, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go ahead and take our next break for the hour. Francis, Bill, and Vicky, please hold on. We're going to get to you as soon as we come back from this really short break. Um, I'm Java Chapman, filling in for Kevin Farrell today uh, here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and Kathy Shropshire. As you can hear, we're talking possums. And if you want to join our conversation, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Now, during this break, um, I'm going to let you know that jacks are the male possums, jills are the female possums, and joeys are the babies. But what do you call a group of possums? A group of possums. We're going to have that answer for you after the break. So stay tuned. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.
You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Creature Comforts of Java Chapman here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And our guest for the hour is Kathy Shropshire, wildlife biologist and former executive director of Mississippi Wildlife Federation and world-renowned Fanny <laughs> Cook actress. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who's going to have an upcoming show coming up, so stay tuned for that. Um, now, before the break, I told you that Jacks were the uh, male possums, Jills were the female possums, and Joeys were the babies. Now, when you get a group of them together, some will call them supper, <laughs> but most people will call that a passel, a passel of possums. Like you have a pack of dogs, you have a passel of possums. Let's go ahead and go back to our phone lines. Possums are very popular this morning. And let's talk with Francis from Natchez. Good morning, Francis. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me on. I got a two-part story about the possum. Go ahead. And all of these are true stories. It's the truth. Uh, did you know that there is a possum corner down in uh, Wilkinson County? Possum, no, I did not. possum corner? Possum corner. Okay. <laughs> and my second part is uh, when I was younger, I used to like to go out in the country and stay with my grandma, and I would, uh, you know, nightlight rabbits and everything that I could find. Well, one night uh, I saw this white, I thought it was a possum going into the barn. And when I looked up on the rafters, I said, boy, a possum. And I shot him. And when he fell, I said, oh, boy, I done killed Grandma's cat. (laughs) (laughs) So I took that possum way off into the woods and threw him away. And the next morning, uh, Grandma was out on the porch uh, saying, yeah, kitty, 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 kitty. All I could say was, kitty ain't coming back here no more. (laughs) Oh, Francis, okay. (laughs) I thought it was a possum. You need to be careful about that. <laughs> you know, we, I grew up in East Texas, and there was, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a community there called Possum Trot. So, oh, okay, yeah. Possum Trot. All right. Well, Francis, we appreciate those stories this morning. Thank you. All right. Now, that was hilarious. <laughs> we have, we, like I said, these uh, possums are very popular this morning. Bill from Poplarville. Um, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Now, do you have something that's, that can compete with Francis' story? <laughs> no, Francis is way out there in the stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your question to comment this morning? Well, I just wanted to comment on the fact that so many of us have experiences with a possum at night around the house or something. You know, you'll be out with uh, just doing something, and you'll back up or walk up on a possum, and it'll hiss and carry on and uh, almost step on one, you know. But uh, my sister wound up finding a baby and uh, decided to bring it in the house where a, a dog had uh, attacked a mother possum and uh, one of the babies fell off the mother's back and uh, my sister picked it up and carried it in and uh, she couldn't find a vet that would help her. This is up in Tennessee, uh, know what to do with it. Uh, over a couple of the course of a couple of years, she found a vet who would help her and uh, was a great help. But the possum turned out to be a very cuddly pet. It got along with uh, two cats and a dog in the house. Uh, she built a little cage for it, a pretty good-sized cage, actually. It was a big bird cage. And uh, the possum uh, would come out in the evening. It would walk around all the guests at the house and uh, encourage people to pick it up and uh, love to be cuddled. 
And if you picked it up, it would just lie very still and just let you stroke it. Very soft hair, much finer than the calf's hair. And uh, uh, just a very nice, pleasant animal. Always pooped in its own cage, never pooped anywhere else. But it seemed to come awake at night and uh, slept all day long. Lived for about, uh, I think she said it was just under three years before it died. But it was always a treasure to see. I always thought if they could manage to uh, find a way to hide that ugly tail in my nice-looking <laughs> pet. Well, we but I, I was curious to know if uh, there was uh, a, a version. Or I, the vets told her that it was state law that they couldn't do anything with a pet with a, a lie. Uh, a wild animal in Tennessee, very strictly enforced up there. I was wondering if there's anything like that down here. I also wanted to know if it was true that uh, the vet told her that a possum is uh, immune to the venom of a uh, uh, poisonous snake, a pit viper. Yes, yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. She's right. So. That's all I had to say. Thanks for having me. Uh, giving me a chance to say a few words in the conversation. Well, we appreciate you joining us uh, this morning, Bill. Um, now, with what he said about Tennessee and, and vets uh, working on wild animals, is that the... Uh, well, you're not supposed to possess a wild animal as a pet. It is really against state law. Here in Mississippi. Unless you've got a permit, and uh, if you're a rehabber, then you'll have a, a, a permit to keep things. And uh, Audrey Harrison, who's going to be on next week, she's done some rehab with possums before. Okay. And uh, so you are really not supposed to have them as pets. And your conservation officer can give you more details about that. Because that was one of my, we were talking earlier, but yeah. that was one of my questions. Like, what if you see an injured possum? Like, I guess, what's the proper thing to do? Definitely. If you can, if you can safely scoop it up in a pet carrier or a box or something, you can certainly take it to a vet and you can it's it's not illegal for you to work on it, is it? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's I no, I've I've never seen a law that said anything like that and if somebody's listening that's in law enforcement can correct us if we're wrong. But I don't believe and I'll look at it again but I think they tend to yeah. kinda of look away on that. Nobody's out having Ten possums that they're right, right, yeah. right. and uh, we were told at one time one of the officers I don't remember who it was, mm-hmm. but if you had a valid hunting and fishing license, that mm-hmm. they wouldn't they would allow you to keep it. But that's not that may not be the policy, but um, that that may be the practice. Right, right, yeah, because right. what's what's I yeah. guess is it the same thing with um, if you find a orphaned baby possum somewhere no if you find something like that it's fine to 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 you know that's a humanitarian okay yeah it's fine to to take care of it in any way that you can you know you should be careful that you don't get bit but you can you can take in anything like that and then you can call the natural science museum or the zoo or most vets have a list of rehabbers we just recently um over at terra wildlife they found four orphaned um, 
little otters, and oh. we found a, a rehabber that would take care of those, which is a, a big job. But there are there are licensed rehabilitators around the state that can take care of injured animals like that. One of the problems is uh, being able to release back into the wild mm-hmm. uh, to rehab and actually uh, not have something that's dependent on people, and it takes a lot of work to do that. Uh, squirrels are a prime example. Uh, if you raise a squirrel and then turn it out in your backyard, uh, there's an excellent chance that the resident squirrels will attack and kill it. Uh, oh, wow. Simply because they don't want the competition. I've seen that happen in several cases. Well, let's continue with the phones. We have Anna from Clinton who wants to join the conversation. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, everyone. I have a couple of uh, <laughs> Awesome stories. You quit laughing. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's your sister, Doctor Major. Oh, okay, family affair. Okay. My my first episode with Possum was we lived out in the country, and I had run out the lane and down to the mailbox to put a letter and three pennies in the little cup in the mailbox because we didn't have a stamp. But if you put the uh, money in there, the postman would put the stamp on the letter and take it for you. So I'm at the mailbox, which was in the curve of the road, and people usually flew by out there. And uh, it was a dead possum and probably 10 or 12 little ones that were just squirming around on the road, and you could have probably put them in a large serving spoon, all of them together, you know. Mm. But uh, they were just there, and needless to say, they died because I knew my uncle wouldn't want me bringing them back to the house. But anyway, that was my first adventure with possums. Um, then in the 50s, I had chickens, and we had a nice chicken house attached to the barn. And one night, I'm in the bed, and I hear this screaming. You know, the chickens were screaming, just absolutely something horrible. So we got out and um, turned on the light, and I went out and I put a cover over the little door where the chickens went in and out at, you know, when they wanted to. And I opened the main door to the chicken house, and there was a huge possum standing in the corner. He had already gutted two or three chickens, and uh, he was snarling. He was standing on his hind legs, and there's nothing uglier than the teeth and the, <laughs> the snarling uh, possum. But anyway, uh, I didn't care very much for him, so I dispatched him hastily with an, a hoe. And uh, we uh, didn't have any more trouble for a while with that. But I, I, they are very aggressive, and if I'd gotten near him, he'd probably try to. They, I haven't seen them. He, did, he wasn't going to play possum. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. He had supper. Act like he was dead. So that's not terribly interesting, I guess, but it, it happened to me, and it. The discussion this morning made me recall it. So. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, uh, sharing sharing this uh, this morning, Anna. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Okay. All right. Enjoy the show. Bye bye. You. And was, you know, Anna, that is one of the downsides to a possum is that they do mm-hmm. they do bother chickens, and I know eggs, we had that problem chickens. when we had chickens mm-hmm. in the yard. Yeah, they 
that's a, I guess that's, they see that as an important source of food for them. But out of all of that, the most interesting thing to me was the three pennies for oh, a stamp. You yeah, you wouldn't know about that. I would not know anything. <laughs> three pennies for a stamp? Wow. We'll have to look back at that and see how, that's, that's been how long wild. ago that was. Yeah, I, yeah. Let's uh, stay on the phones before our next break, and let's talk with Vicki from Mount Olive. Good morning, Vicki. Hi, good morning. I don't have a warm and fuzzy story, but I'm a minister, and I had one of the parishioners in my church who had a 95-year-old mother, and I went over to take her communion one, I think it was during the week, and it was at noon. She told me to come at noon, and she was sitting at the kitchen table <laughs> and on the stove. Well, first of all, I looked at her plate, and I told her, uh, she asked me, she said, well, do you want some? Um, I'm having lunch. And I said, no, ma'am, and I looked at it, and then I looked in the pan that was on the stove, and it was a cast iron pan, a big pan, and a possum was in the pan. It was dead. She had cooked it. And what turned me off most about it was its teeth. They looked like little tiny. uh, There were lots of them, and the, the mouth was open. And there were bunches of little tiny teeth. And I'm originally from New York, so it, I was just really <laughs> taken aback by all that. She just dumped it all in the pot. And just the whole, the whole <laughs> head, teeth, and everything. And I was like, wow, this is different. But, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, that's my possum story. Yeah, that's not the recipe I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, that was a, okay. Well, we appreciate you for sharing this morning, Vicki. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Wow, the whole possum in the pot. I know about those cast iron pots. They're pretty big. So, yeah, she just she stuffed it on in there. Well, maybe we need to say something nice about possums now. The, the, all right, tell me the truth about them eating ticks. There's all over the Internet information right. that they're really and great I did follow tick up eaters. on that, and it's all out there that they can eat 5,000 ticks in a lifetime or whatever. So, I, you know, I, I tried to go back and figure out, you know, I'm sure it's true. I mean, the, re- the research is out there, and it's been repeated enough times that somebody would say, you know, that's wrong. And I tried to go back and figure out who who funded that research. Was it research looking at just opossums? Was it research related to Lyme disease where they were trying to figure out what would control the Lyme disease? And I, I, could, I couldn't get back that far. But apparently that is true that they will eat because they're grooming themselves and they get they get ticks. But they're also grooming. <laughs> there was a picture on the on the uh, Internet of a possum eating ticks off of a deer. So and, and that can be really bad for deer. Those ticks get around their eyes and so forth. But, you know, one of the interesting things that I thought about that is it took us 400 years to figure that out. <laughs> what do we not know that other animals do that it took us 400 years to figure out that, te- that, that possums can make that kind of impact on, on an animal? So, Well, that's always my thing. Like, what's their kind of role in the ecosystem, like, you know, people may not like bats, but they do a lot of insect control mm-hmm. with snakes. They can control, um, you know, certain type of snakes can um, be good for rodents and stuff like right. that. But, you know, the possums. They- well, and, and you don't, I haven't seen this anywhere either, but, you know, they eat um, persimmons. You know, you, that's one of the things you say. Well, they're probably spreading those seeds 
of the of the persimmon tree, and those are big seeds, so there's not like you know a lot of birds are not going to be spreading those seeds mm-hmm. around. It's got to take a, a bigger animal, so it may be one of the animals that does that. I don't know. So the but there possum, are other things possum like the pollinator. Be, yeah, <laughs> possum the pollinator could be. Was that was that <laughs> a another li- four hundred years? Maybe we'll know. <laughs> was that a live deer that the possum yeah, was eating? Yeah, it was at a, off of course of? it was at a it was that's, at a camera. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Let's go ahead and take our last break for the hour. Maybe we get another um, great possum story like Vicky. <laughs> um, um, if you want to join our conversation, one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We did get a couple emails um, in that we will talk about after the break. Uh, I do want to thank Julia for uh, sending in a very funny picture to our email. And if you want to send one, it's animals at mpbonline.org. We'll have more creature comforts after the break. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. You're listening to Creature Comforts here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest for the hour, the wonderful Dr. Kathy Shropshire. And we've been talking about possums with with all of our friends. And Gail, I see you have called in, so we're going to get to you in just one moment. But like I said, we got a couple emails to come through, and one was about, um, please address the disease that possums spread to horses, uh, prevention and precautions. Well, uh, that particular one, of course, your large animal vet's very aware of that. And, of course, most Horse owners would be aware of that as well, but the uh, the thing that really seems to be like the cause of spread or the easiest spread is the fact that the possum can uh, get into the feed box if you have a uh, feeding grain or whatever, and the possum likes that, and can defecate uh, and can actually spread uh, the disease to the horses, and can so good sanitation there, uh, being able to. Uh, you know, just uh, keep the possum out of the food box. That's, That's the what main I was, thing. Yeah, with possums, it, it it seems to always circle back around to food. Like right. either they're in the garbage can because they're looking for something to eat. They're in the in the grain feed for the horses because they're looking for something to eat. And um, and the possums, they them some hungry little critters. <laughs> let's continue with the phones and let's talk with Gail from West Point. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. What's I your- just had a quick comment. I uh, was fortunate enough to go to the United States Air Force Academy for college, and I took with me, you were allowed one or two uh, personal items in your room, in the dormitories, and one of the things I always put out in time for room inspection was a souvenir that I picked up at a local gas station, and it was looked like a potted meat can with a label on it saying it was authentic possum scraped up from U.S. Highway 82. 
and it always uh, did exactly as planned. It distracted the <laughs> inspectors for the room, and they were always on a short time frame for every room because they had so many rooms to cover within the inspection period. And so they would get distracted with that and talk to me about it because they just honestly believed that I must have had it to eat. And um, by the time I got finished telling the story, it was time for them to move on so our room wasn't looked at too close. Smart, smart, smart. That's the only thing I got to say to that. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing this morning. That is, you guys, uh, um, Libby and Kenny, you guys are shaking your head. Do y'all have something like that at your house? Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm not surprised. I'm okay. Not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I have at some point in my life, but I don't now. Yeah. All right, let's go That's to... That's a great story. Carmen in uh, Columbus. Carmen, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my story is that Columbus, Mississippi was originally called Possum Town, mm-hmm. and the reason it was called that, the Indians thought the man that founded it looked like a possum. He obviously had a very sharp nose. <laughs> Uh, but we are now Columbus, Mississippi. But, uh, we, we, we do get called Possum Town every now and then. I hadn't heard that. Possum Town. Possum Town. You do. Uh, well, it's because of the Indians calling the man, seeing that man, and they thought he looked like a possum. You know how when communities <laughs> will, will feature one item, maybe they need to have possums around Columbus. <laughs> right, yeah, right. No, that, would, that would be yeah. something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that this morning, Plaster Carmen. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's probably the best-looking man, but anyway, he's <laughs> probably much better than he is. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. Oh, man, today has been wild with all of these possum stories because I, I, I don't even know the last time I saw a possum, but I'm pretty sure it was on the side of the road in... It had those glowing eyes yeah. when you you know you're driving and your 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 headlights mm-hmm. hit hit those glowing eyes. And you never know which way they're going to go. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you, they'll turn back and sometimes they keep going across the road. Yeah, and those and those tails are just so. Do they they hang from trees? They can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the younger ones do more so than the, the than the adults, but they can. It helps them with balance, and when they're up in those trees, it's just another. Another hand, if you will. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. hanging from the trees, that's a young young a young Joey's. More than, yeah, more than a yeah, more often probably. Type of type of game. Yeah. <laughs> you know how the, you know how kids do. But did we miss did we we run up, you know, maybe about thirty seconds left. Did we miss anything uh today on the program? Um, I, I don't I don't think so. We'll nope. cover all our yeah. well we didn't we so, didn't get our uh, possum recipe. Oh, well, maybe we could post one. What about, what about <laughs> yeah, post a recipe? It won't be the whole animal. I'm sweet sure. potatoes. Yeah, sweet potatoes. Yeah, now that was that was interesting too. The sweet potatoes, like you get it and hold it up, and then we'll eat the sweet potatoes and, as you say, clean it out a little bit so it won't have that gamey, gamey taste. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate you, Kathy, for uh, coming in again, as always. Uh, thank you. I always enjoy it. And your, you. um, and your show for. Yeah, at Galloway next Thursday. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, that's March the 12th, Thursday at okay, yeah, oh, Galloway Methodist Church. Yes. All right, all right. Well, yeah, you can see the lovely Miss Fanny Cook portrayed <laughs> by Kathy Shropshire. And uh, once again, thank you for coming in today. Creature Conference is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded in is provided in part by listeners like you. You can hear today's show and all of our previous shows 
on our website, mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Today's show was engineered by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. For Libby Hartfield, Dr. Major, Kathy Shropshire, I'm Java Chapman. And up next, our Thursday 10 a.m. show, AutoCorrect, with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. So tune in next Thursday at 9 for more Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio.